Hi guys and welcome to the Changing Lanes High Performance Coaching and Mentoring Podcast. Changing Lanes is about getting the balance right between emotional intelligence, personal development and your own fitness and health. Guys, I am very fortunate to have on the podcast with me today, Tani Donkin. Now, Tani is currently the Regional Fitness Director for Good Life in Queensland North. Uh, now, I've watched her journey oh, since 2009 when she was a young aspiring PT uh, with me in Collins Street Fitness First and now a Regional Fitness Director. What an incredible journey you've had to date, Tani, and you are an absolute incredible ambassador as well for all fitness and PT managers. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. And you make me sound really old right now. Well, <laughs> we, we won't talk about your age, but um, you, you've definitely done the hard work to earn it. Um, that's for sure. So what, so that our listeners know more about your, your background, Tiny, and where it all started for you, um, how and, and, and sorry, so when did you start your journey as a, as a fitness professional? Uh, and more importantly, why did you start that um, journey? I definitely have not had the typical journey that most people have coming into the industry where they want to really help people. Mine was a little bit different. My background uh, through school was a lot of sport. And then uh, after high school, I went to study performing arts, majoring in dance. And I was in a lot of pain and that pain was getting a lot worse to the point where I couldn't really dance anymore. And that was really, really hard for me to deal with. I couldn't do what I loved. And I was told that it was something that I was going to, to have to give up. And I was sitting in a gym one day doing my little rehab routine and going through my stretches and my exercises. And I was looking around the room at all these personal trainers going, oh my God, they have the best job ever. Like this is their office. They get to wear runners and tights every day. They get to train people. They get to work in the gym as their job. How cool is that? And that was kind of the light bulb moment for me. And I think it was about 24 hours later, I was signed up to do my set three and set four in fitness. And it all kind of started from there. So it was a very last minute decision. But once I'd made that decision, after I started studying, I realized pretty quickly that it's kind of what, what I was meant to do. And I just fell in love with it. You didn't think at, at one stage you would go into... Um... Um, sort of coaching in, in dance or mentoring for dance? Um, yeah, it was something that crossed my mind, but it's not something that I initially had on my mind when I entered into the fitness industry. I kind of put that behind me because I was told it was something that I couldn't really do. But from entering into the fitness industry, I was lucky enough to be able to study and be able to understand the human body a lot better so that I could rehab myself mm. to a point where I could perform again and I could dance again. But by that stage, as much as I love dancing, fitness is, is kind of it for me. I well, love it. Well, thankfully, you chose that industry and not dance coaching because um, you've definitely done exceptionally well. I mean, your resume you know, reads um, incredibly well in, in the sense that um, you, you were a young PT manager at Burke Street Fitness first, and then you took over QV Platinum in 2011, um, and then you got handled the job of um, opening up um, and assisting with the, the Flinders Street Platinum Club, yeah, for, for Fitness First, and, and, and for those that have been to the, uh, the Platinum Club, that's an amazing facility, and of course, um, you were there uh, when it opened and um, took control of that. And uh, not too long after that, uh, obviously, Good Life headhunted you and um, took you up to, to Queensland, where, where you're originally from. Is that correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm now in a regional role, which I absolutely love. And it was kind of a long-term plan for me was to move into a regional role. So as soon as I was given the opportunity to become a regional fitness direct director and also to move up back home to Queensland, even though I'm in Brisbane now, which is not quite home, Queensland definitely feels like home. And I'm definitely not complaining about the great beaches and weather up here. No, no. And you don't want to know what the weather is like down here as I sit <laughs> At my computer, talking to you. Um, well, I mean, that's, that's interesting. You know, um, a lot of our listeners are, are young, aspiring fitness leaders, you know, um, people that you, you're currently working with as well. Um, you know, how did you know that, that this is what you wanted to do? You know, you, you see them coming to the industry um, a lot. You know, you know, we've worked together. We've seen how trainers sort of evolve and, and you know, the... the the shelf life is not very long, but how did you know that you were going to stay in this industry? How did you know that you were going to um, work hard enough to to get the role that you desired? Yeah, well, I think that I've, I've never been a quitter. I'm, I've always struggled to think of things in the past that I've, I've quit. So once I make a decision, I really stick to it and I follow it through. Even if it feels like I'm failing at the time, rather than giving up, I'm someone who's always just looked at, okay, well, what can I do? to turn this around, what is within my power so that I can take control of the situation and move forward. And when I first entered the industry, moving up through the ranks of becoming PT manager, senior PT manager or regional fitness director, that was actually never part of the plan. I did kind of fall into that. And, and when once I did, I absolutely fell in love with it, hence why I've, I've kept progressing. Uh, when I first entered, I was talking about uh, training people one-on-one and, and with the with a full client base, I could really impact at that time around 30 individuals. But becoming a PT manager, I could then support a team of anywhere from 15, 25, 35 fitness professionals that all had up to 30 clients themselves. And then by becoming a regional fitness director, I can just impact even more people and change even more people's lives. So it's not something that I knew right from the start that I wanted to do. Mm. But the more that I did, the more that I found what I was passionate about and I just kind of took it and ran with it from there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as, as, as I said earlier, you know, watching your, your journey and um, knowing from the onset when we first met, um, I knew exactly what you said. You, you were not a quitter. Most definitely, you know, you were definitely pushing the, the boundaries and, and really, really uh, working hard. Where does that come from? I mean, this, this, this podcast is, is, a, is really about getting the best out of you, you know, taking control of all, all your emotional intelligence, um, you know, getting development that you need, um, your fitness and health is paramount. Where did that, where did that come from, that attitude of, I am going to, I'm not going to quit? I think I've kind of always had it in me. I grew up in a small country town and there wasn't really much to do there other than play sport. So I picked up sport at a very young age and I was lucky enough that my dad is so on board and was there beside me every single step of the way, no matter what sport I wanted to play, even if it was dancing, which trust me, he was not a fan of, but he was there still to support me. If I wanted to go for a run, he was running with me. If I wanted to play touch 40, he was there with me. If I wanted to practice athletics, he would... He made us a sandpit in the backyard so we could practice long jump and triple jump. He would hire high jump equipment so that we could practice it in the backyard. And if we wanted to quit, if we even thought about it, it wasn't even an option. And he made that really clear right from the start. If you start something, you're going to see it through and you're going to complete it. And I'm sure no one likes the, the thought of failure, but for me, giving something up or letting something go almost felt like failing. And mm. I didn't want to be that person. But I have to say, when it comes to moving through as a PT manager, 
the real reason why I was able to stick that out was actually um, was actually you driving me. I remember when that opportunity came up at Burke Street the first time round to become PT manager there, and I told you that I, I didn't feel that I was ready to apply. I didn't feel like I was ready to become a PT manager. I knew it was something that I wanted to do, but for me, it was kind of like years down the track, and I said no and then it was a few weeks later and then you pushed me again and I said no and I think it was third time lucky I finally applied and it's just kind of taken off from there so whether it was my dad growing up or whether it's um, having you on my side as a really great mentor or other great mentors in my life I think that all those type of people those positive influences really just help you to to move forward and to see that there is a way forward there is a way to progress and you can kind of overcome anything as long as you want to. Yeah, well, I mean, it was definitely the 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 attitude that you you know you exuded and and that um, dedication, and I just knew that you would you were going to be a, a future leader, um, and the only way you were really going to to get the best I knew was just to throw you in the, in, in the deep end, and and that's just something you did, and and um, you know I'm, I'm really glad that um, I was able to help you in some way or form, and and again, you know, we we then joined forces again to try and. Um, look after the, the the trainers coming through the system, and you know, and then of course we we went our separate ways. I went I went to Good Life, and you were still at Fitness First. What were some of the the um, the biggest challenges you faced um, at at the big giant clubs? You know, like the Platinums and um, both QV and Flinders. What were some of the big challenges you faced being being a, you know a, a fitness leader? Yeah, there were a lot of challenges, absolutely. And I think a lot of that comes to, you know, down to dealing with so many different people and so many different personalities. And we are really supporting and and helping to lead teams of independent contractors or franchisees. They're people who run their own businesses. They're not employees, which is just a whole different ball game in itself. So I think, you know, that is pretty it's pretty tough to to support when you don't really know how to lead people. You've never really been a manager before. But not only that, coming in as when I started at Burke Street, I didn't tell the trainers on my team how old I was because I was the youngest person on the team. I remember that, yes. (laughs) They kept asking me and asking me and I didn't want to tell them because I was the youngest person on the team and I didn't want them to judge me because of that. And then when I went over to QB Platinum, it really was the boys club over there. So there were not many females. Uh, once again, I was one of the youngest uh, within Fitness First running PT inductions and fitness instructor inductions. Most of the time when I was standing in front of the room presenting, I was the youngest person there. So, uh, you know, you've got the challenges of not having the level of life experience that a lot of the people in the room have. And you're managing people who are sometimes a lot older than you. And some of them have been in the industry for a lot longer than what I had. So that was hard in itself. And also being one of the only females on pretty that's, much every that, team that I've ever been on. And that's that what I, yeah, I, I definitely admired you for this. And, you know, I think we need to go into a little bit more about that in terms of female fitness leaders um, trying to, you know, to, to, to be put in front of an audience of, of um, sort of the older generation personal trainer. Um, you know, you were thrusted right into that environment and um, you soaked it up incredibly well. What were some of your your tactics you used with the, with, with the older PTs I'm talking about? <laughs> um, there were quite a few tactics there. First of all, uh, when there was anyone who just upon meeting me would judge me straight away based on my gender or based on my age, I just would not let them shake me down no matter what they tried to do. 
I was going to be the biggest person. I wasn't going to let them impact what I was doing in the journey that I was on. That was a really big one. Uh, second of all was having a support network around me. So people like yourself who were there as a mentor and as a coach to, you know, if I was having a bad day, if I didn't really understand how to come through a situation, having people on my side who were there to support and to help me. Right. And also I had to learn really quickly how to understand people better. Because by being able to understand people and, and work with personalities a lot better, that's completely changed the way that I manage and the way that I lead teams. And it was a big wake-up call for me the day that I decided to change the way that I interacted with people. I had a pretty crap day. I'd been kind of spoken down to a few times and well, more so yelled at a few times during the day. And I walked out of the club and I walked around the city for probably a couple of hours and... It was kind of a make or break moment for me when I was like, what am I doing? What, you know, why am I putting myself in this situation? And then after just walking around, I was able to turn that around and walk back into the club and go, you know what? I'm going to take the advice that I was given. I'm going to read the book that I was told to read and I'm going to turn this around. And the, the book that I was told to read at the time was How Do We Friends and Influence People? Oh, yeah. Okay. Which I yeah. found for me to be able to connect with people and work with people totally changed the way that I saw it. And I think it's got a, a lot to do with the type of leader that I am today. And I, I, I also recall you did a lot of uh, your own personal development. Yeah. You did plenty of workshops. Um, you know, you did probably one every month, if I recall. And, and it's. What was the other thought process behind that? And, and did, you, did you think that's, that's highly beneficial? Oh, absolutely. I came in day one as a fitness professional. My first day as a PT thinking I was, you know, I was on top of the world and I knew everything. And then within a few weeks, my mentors at the time sent me along to my first workshop and it was a Donald Carr workshop. And I think it was strength training for women. And I sat there going, oh my God, I know nothing. Mm. I couldn't understand any of the concepts that they were talking about and that totally changed my perspective. So that kind of, uh, I guess, ignited that passion for learning and for finding out more because I wanted to know. I didn't ever want to be in that position again where I just didn't know and I couldn't answer questions. And then as I started to progress and become a PT manager, one of the ways that I knew that I could get a lot more respect from my team, regardless of my age, was just knowing more being better, being able to answer their questions and for them to see me as a, as someone who was really valuable to have in the club as a mentor and a coach for them. And I could only do that if I upskilled myself mm. and I was always ahead of the game. So I made it my mission to, even though I had trainers in my club, some of them had 20 years of experience, I made it my mission to make sure that I had more knowledge and more qualifications on my side so that I was still able to regardless of age, still support them and take them through coaching and mentoring. And if I wasn't able to, that I was completely honest with them if I didn't have the answer and, you know, we would source that answer together and we would work through it together. So sometimes it's just a matter of being honest with them that, look, I don't know and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm here to help you to work that out. But you did the groundwork and you did, you did multiple courses, I remember you doing. And you're right, you, you might have all the interpersonal skills um, but if you don't, if you can't back it up with with the theory or the knowledge, it's 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 difficult to to then sort of guide and lead people. But then, but then of course, if you do, you don't know everything, I mean, not everyone doesn't know everything, and it's important that you are honest with um, you know, with your your trainers and and your staff about okay, listen, we don't know this, but we're going to do the research and find out. But that was something that I noticed you did exceptionally well um, because there were a lot of egos um, in your clubs, um, but you managed to um. 
to really, really, you know, balance it out. <laughs> yeah, and I think it, especially in 2018, there's really no excuse not to. I know back in the day you had to buy books or you had to attend courses or you yeah. had to buy DVDs to get that information. But it's 2018. We're in an information age I where like, podcasting is the best thing ever. Yeah. I, the moment that I found out about podcasts, I was I was onto it. I yeah. listen to them every time I'm in the car because it's free It's free education. It's incredible. Yeah. And then we've got the internet, we've got YouTube, we've got you know, a lot of mentors and coaches out there that are actually giving away their information for free. So I think in this day and age, there's really no reason why we can't, no matter what your industry is, yeah. uh, upskill yourself and, and stay, you know, always be always be learning. Absolutely. Now, you are up there in your region. How many, how many managers do you have working under you at the moment? So I've got uh, currently 10 fitness directors, an assistant fitness director, and I've got for five campus directors who work across AIPT campuses as well. Okay. And trainers under that, under them? What, what's your catchment trainers on trainers? Trainers under them. Yeah. So across the region, we've got around 150 personal trainers. And we've also got allied health professionals as well. So that could be physios, osteos, exercise physiologists, nutritionists, massage therapists. But in your, um, in your region alone, how many sort of trainers and allied professionals would you, would you be managing? Yeah, so about 150. Okay, so on top of your, your 10 fitness directors. Yeah. All right, so there's a yeah. lot of people that you're managing, you know, from, from the sort of from the top to the bottom, so to speak, yeah? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> That's – and here I worried about me managing – my business partner Anna Thomas, which um, that's 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 another story. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot more work I think than what. She manages you, but we'll we'll leave that one. Yeah. Okay. That, good point. Um, now, what do you look for in, in, in a leader? What do you look for in, in a, a fitness that, that you know they're going to be leading by example? What do you look for? Uh, when I'm recruiting, so if I'm recruiting a fitness director, for example, first of all, they need to come across like an expert in their field. They need to have had a successful business themselves in order to coach people how to have a successful business. So that's really important. Um, but secondly, I need to make sure that they have the right mindset and the right drive. So I can teach them how to be a great fitness director, but I can't teach them the right mindset. I can't teach them how to... Uh, think positively and, and to keep calm in a really crappy situation. Uh, I can't teach them how to always you know, be professional if someone's challenging you or if there's any kind of confrontation. And also just having that mindset of always looking for more, always finding solutions regardless of the situation. So it really is a mindset thing that I'm looking for with, with the new leader. Okay, so say, for example, you, you find someone with, with the qualities of, of a good um, leader, like you mentioned, he's got, he's got all the practical and interpersonal skills, but you know, managing, um, say, a, a 10, 10 or 12 trainers, half of them have egos, what I mean, is 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 there anything that you you would do to support your your managers um, or trainers that have apprentices in that mat, for that matter uh, on how to to get the right mindset um, to be able to communicate better to deliver um, your message across to get you know get return on investment uh, and make sure it's that sort of a happy happy marriage what do you have what could you offer or what do you have in place for them. Yeah, well, first of all, they, they need to be open to learning. So I can teach them all of this stuff as long as they want to learn and are open to learning. And also, I would, I would really hope that they're not just learning from me. They are sourcing, you know, whether it is courses, workshops, books, 
upskilling themselves. And with most, especially young new managers, and I bring up fitness directors who are 18, we, we don't look at age as being a barrier whatsoever. And some of our best fitness directors have been really, really young. Mm. But I actually do buy majority of my new fitness directors a copy of the book that, that changes the way that I lead people. So I actually give them that book yeah. and I explain to them, why I've given them that book and what it did for me. And most of them, after reading it, it takes them through a lot of what they need to change their mindset and to change the way that they interact with other people. And then there's also the coaching and the mentoring side as well. So every single time they come to me with a situation that they don't really know how to deal with, they know they can pick up the phone and we're going to work through it together, no matter what it is. Even if they've done something they've screwed up themselves massively, they know that they can call me, yeah. tell me what happened. I'm going to tell them, look, you probably shouldn't have done that, but it's going to be okay, and we're going to work through it together. That way they are in a position moving forward to be able to make those decisions on their own, and they learn from it, and they grow from it. Again, it's the support crew, isn't it? The support system, yeah? When, I, when I'm training my, my athletes down here, that's something they'll, they'll always bring up um, is they, they love the support network that they have here. Um, because they've got, you know, Anna with nutrition, they've got Jahan, who's, you know, is an exercise scientist, and we've all sort of, we've got the ability to provide solutions, yeah, uh, as, a, as a collective. Um, it's so important, because if you don't have those support networks, you get so up in your head sometimes that you just can't see a way out. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes emotion takes over, and you can't quite see clearly. So I think that those support networks and mentors are just so incredibly important. 100%. On that topic, now... Um, the industry, you know, we've been in the industry for, for a long time now, you and I, me a bit longer than you, um, obviously. I started in 2004, um, and it's evolved, you know, there's, there's, there's new things are always coming around in cycles, as we know, um, you know, rather than trying to uh, re- revolutionize something, it was sort of just re-evolving it, you know, um, heart rate monitor training, um, you know, the, the new sort of systems that are coming out. They're all sort of been done before, but they've just sort of been um, a little bit more swankier, if that makes sense. Yeah. What do you think is missing from, from the, 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 the common graduate that comes out of the industry? Um, I saw this, this been up in, on Facebook on a few pages about, you know, um, the challenges that, that the industry is facing when the graduate comes out of, of, um, of a course and is ready to hit the ground running, um, say that, you know, whether they go to a, a private studio or whether they go to a, a good life or, or a fitness first for the matter, what is, what is the biggest thing they're missing and, and what is the biggest weapon that they should have do you, in, your, in your experience? Yeah, first of all, I do think that sometimes they're kind of, they're kind of set up for failure right from the start where they delivered this expectation whilst going through their course. And then when they get out into the industry, they realise really quickly that, that that's not the same as what they were told going through their course. So they think that quite often their first 12 months, they're going to absolutely smash six, six figures and they're going to be amazing and everyone's going to love them. They're going to be a superstar trainer and they're not going to have to do much work to make that happen. And then they walk into a club for the first time And they're petrified and they realize that that's really not how it is. And it's a lot of hard work. They're going to have to put in a lot of hours and they're going to have to deal with a lot of different people and a lot of different personalities. So I think their expectations aren't necessarily aligned with reality sometimes. But in terms of a skill set, something that we have to deal with all the time, every single day in this industry is different people and different personalities. And 
we're not always equipped to be able to deal with the baggage that 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 comes with. So when someone is sitting in front of you, a, a new client, and they're telling you about their life and they're crying in front of you and telling you that, um, you know, it, it could be that they've been going through depression or that their partner doesn't look at them the same way anymore, but all of this really heavy stuff. And a trainer just has no idea how to cope with that because it's not part of their course. They're not trained in dealing with that emotional stuff and to be able to coach someone through it. So I think almost lifestyle coaching needs to be a really big part. And if we can't coach that part of someone's life, we also really struggle to be able to get buy-in from our clients and also to create habit change long-term. We can know all the best exercises and we can know all the best diets out there, but unless you can do that, yeah. you're not going to be able to succeed. That's right. I mean, it, it is, it's more than just exercise. It's about, um, you know, their, their lifestyle, their, their, their uh, emotional challenges that they're facing, um, their work environments, um, whether or not they're, they're, they're getting any personal development done for themselves. So it is the package. So, how would you how would you package that up? I mean, I know there's you know there's I've always been a big sort of advocate for you know when when a trainer um, is is hitting the, the industry early on that they get some form of mentoring immediately. I mean, you did that, yeah. Um, I did that when I got in the industry. Are, are more trainers because because there's a, there's a lot of coaches out there now. You know, um, a lot of cowboy coaches as well <laughs> out there too. You know that yeah. that um, obviously. Um, are getting all their kicks through social media, and social media has has a lot to blame for this 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 um, situation we're discussing now. Um, in terms of in terms of trainers getting mentors, is that is that a, a, a realistic option for commercial clubs moving forward? I mean, can that be something that's um, say it, it has to be? Um, there's no it's non negotiable. When you come into the industry, you are put with a mentor. I know fitness directors are there. Uh, for mentoring, but is there another option for them? Yeah, there absolutely is. And and yes, our fitness directors act as mentors, but any one of our trainers that, that comes to us saying, I'm considering getting a mentor, we are completely on board. Uh, I know for me, I, I contribute that massively to my success and longevity within the fitness industry. And, and having that person doesn't have to even be a mentor in the fitness industry, but just having a mentor yeah, in your 100%, life yeah. is so incredibly important. So I'm completely on board with that idea. And I don't know if it's something that could be made compulsory because if they're running their own business, you know, there, there is a lot of, uh, you can't treat someone like an employee. You need to treat them like an independent contractor or a franchisee. And that is what a lot of our industry is, not all of, but a lot of. Um, but geez, I, I highly recommend it. No mm. matter who they are, even even I hate to say, it, but some of the some of the crappier mentors that are out there, they still offer value, and people <laughs> still get a lot out of them, even if they're not the greatest, even if they haven't been doing it for long. It's just having that person who can step out of the situation, who's not as emotionally invested, who can see things yeah. in a different way, and just help you to cut through the crap. And to move forward. And also sometimes, or well, a lot of the time, trainers kind of get in their own way. It's their own mental blocks. It's their own perceptions of I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm not, I'm not oh, worth what I'm trying that's to do. So, so social media has a lot to answer. And mental cuts through all that. Yeah. I, bl- I blame social media for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you probably, when you've been working with mentors, probably found a similar thing that things that you – didn't think were possible or you were good enough to do, all of a sudden they're pushing you and saying, well, yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? What do you got to lose? One of my first mentors, um, 
he had a mentor, but it wasn't even in the fitness industry. He was um, uh, a successful businessman, and um, it was I couldn't work. I was like, wow, you've got a mentor that's not even in the fitness industry, but they worked on they worked really well together. That's great. Um, okay, so what? Here we go. This this is some interesting questions now. What what does your future look like? My future. Yeah. Um, Good question. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm doing right now that I absolutely enjoy, but then there's also a lot of things that I'd like to do more of. Uh, presenting is definitely one of those things. I also I already present quite a bit, but I would like to kind of step outside of the, the audience that I currently have and present on a larger stage within the fitness industry in Australia and internationally. So that's something that's definitely, uh, well, hopefully in my future. Um I'm also podcasting at the moment, so I think they're doing a lot more of that. Really, really excites me. And something that I love about my role is that I get to create new things. I kind of don't have any restrictions on the things that I can create and implement within my team. So we're trying to create things that, you know, thinking a little bit more outside the box, creating ideas, systems or programs that aren't really in the industry right now, trialling them with the current audience that we have, being around 150 personal trainers or fitness professionals, and really to be able to make changes in the industry from there. I've got an absolute incredible team of fitness directors. I love them all the bits. And I think as a team, there's just so much that, that we can do. So that, that's what I'm looking forward to. Awesome. Sounds like you got your plate full. Uh, now, lucky last one for you that I always sort of throw out as, to, to, to all the, uh, the, the people I get on the podcast. And that is... Uh, what advice would you give your, your younger self? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, if I look back on my past, I think that even the tough times, even you know when I wasn't necessarily doing the things that I needed to do to succeed, every single thing that I did led me to the point that I'm at within my life right now. So I don't think I'd change anything. But if I had have learned earlier the power of, relationships and networking I think that would have been really really beneficial I know that it might seem like a big industry but it's not it's quite a small fitness industry and it really is about who you know it's knowing the right people it's creating networks and you just never know who you might run That's into right. yeah. and what they can do for you it's, it's funny the number of people that I've run into in elevators or I was in London and ran into a guy who was about to move to Australia to become a personal trainer or you, know, you just have no idea who you meet and what opportunities that that could open up. Absolutely. Yes. Building relationships has definitely been one of my strengths. I mean, that's um, something I've always uh, advised people to, you know, that are starting off in any industry for that matter, is just get out there, shake hands, knock on doors, and, and just meet as many people as you can. That's awesome advice, yeah. Sani. I think I've learned a lot of that from you as well because it is definitely one of your strong suits. Uh, for me, let's say 10 years ago, was definitely not one of my no, strong No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. You were the girl hiding in the corner, weren't you? You are like, come on, get out, come out of the corner. But no, that, that was you. But not anymore, yeah. which is good. Great, fantastic. Um, well, thank you very much for jumping on the podcast. What, what, is, what is your podcast link so that um, the listeners can also jump on yours? Uh, it's called The Good Fit. The Good Fit Podcast. The okay, Good cool. Fit. Yes. Excellent. So one season in at the moment, so we're looking forward to season two. Awesome. Great. Well, again, thank you very much for jumping on the podcast, Tani, and um, look forward to catching up sometime in the, soon in, in a bit of sunny weather, hopefully. 
Hopefully. Can, can I ask you a question before we wrap Yeah, up? sure. <laughs> so I have actually been listening to your podcast. It's great, by the way. Um, but there's one thing that I think is missing. Um, so I would like to put it out there to your listeners to see if they might like to hear a bit more about your story and uh, how you might feel about me interviewing you on your podcast in the future. Well, that, that, hey, well, why not? I think that's 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 you being innovative again, and that's you <laughs> doing things outside of the square. I'm I'm up I'm up for that absolutely. I think that they'd be really interested to find out a bit more about your story because you've got a lot of uh, a lot of surprises and a lot of turns in your past, and you've yeah. been through a lot to get to where you are. And you know, you you, you and I are running an absolute amazing business right now, and a great podcast. And I think that a lot of people could benefit from hearing more about your story. It's a deal. Fantastic. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you, Tani. Bye-bye.